0: Put your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16. We started a new sermon series last week entitled Man in the Making. We're talking about the life of Simon Peter, and uh, this is the second lesson in that series. I just, uh, I guess after 25 years of being your pastor, I feel confident enough to tell you this now, I am totally inadequate to be your pastor. I mean, I, I mean that and I know that. It's not that I'm being humble, like falsely humble, or anything like that. I know my strengths, but I also know my weaknesses, and I know my shortcomings, and I know that from the very beginning, I have been in way over my head, and I continue to be. Um, I I gave you my resume 25 years ago when you hired me, uh, but surely you're smart enough to know I edited that. I I mean, I I wrote that in such a way where I would look better, uh, or at least something hireable, um, but by now, I guess I can tell you the, the real truth, the things I left out of the resume. That number one, I, I don't know enough. Uh, and I'm saying this in all honesty I, I don't. Uh, every single time that I stand up to preach or teach, I know that I am not the smartest man in the room. Uh, looking around this room right now, many of you are deeper in the Word, you are more mature as believers. And, uh, and, and I'm humbled that, that you would sit and listen to me. Uh, there are much better public speakers in this room than, than I. And, and it's always the case. Every time I stand up to speak, I may be the one with the microphone, but it, that doesn't make me the, the smartest man. I'm painfully aware of that. I'm not good enough. There are always people who can do what I do better than I do it. You know, put yourself on the internet and then you can compare yourself to every pastor in America. And and there are just definitely lots and lots and lots of pastors who do it much better than I do it. I'm aware of that. Uh, And I make a lot of mistakes. I I make a lot of mistakes. And in ministry, mistakes are really serious uh, because typically you're dealing with the things most important to others. Uh, you're talking about heart and soul issues. Um, and if I forget, uh, and I, I'm prone to forget things, but if I forget something, it's probably something very important to somebody, like the fact that I did your wedding, you know, or, or whatever. I mean, I've done that. Like, I've done a wedding, you know, I, pr- I now pronounce you Mr. and Mrs. whatever, you know, Albert Jones, whatever. And then, like, two weeks later, I've, you know, called her by the maiden name, forget that she got married. Uh, I've done that. I've buried people, and two weeks later, like, in church, like, wonder where they are. I mean... Um, I'm just, I, I'm that kind of a doofus. And I know that. Uh, I've embarrassed myself and probably some of you many, many times for saying and doing the wrong thing. Um, so some of you are listening thinking, I am Pastor Tim. Is he, is he depressed today? Well, you know what in the world? Is he about to quit? No, I'm not quitting. Like I said, I've been here 25 years. Joke's on y'all now. I mean, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. Um, th- this is what it is to serve the Lord. I, I don't do this because I'm talented or good. I do it because I'm called. And, and it's the reason why I continue to, to do it. It's the reason why I continue to try to serve the Lord. He didn't choose me. He didn't call me because of anything pertaining to me. I'm not called because I'm smart or because I, I can speak in public. And None of that. He called me because of his grace, his mercy. I'm blessed that, that he would choose to use me. And the amazing thing is Jesus wants to choose and use you as well he wants to work in and through you now say in and through don't miss both words there he can't do anything through you that you haven't allowed him to do in you so you have to let him work in you and then he works through you but this is just how it works and it's not that you have to be perfect because none of us will be perfect today's sermon is entitled three steps forward and two steps back can you do that math if you take three steps forward take two steps back how many steps did you move forward Yeah, one step with a whole lot of, you know, extra, you know, thrown in. And that sort of describes my Christian life. It's three steps forward, it's two steps back. Sometimes I take a, you know, step to the side and then to the other side. And sometimes, you know, a complete U-turn and I can get all the way off the path. I mean, I'm not a very good follower, but that still doesn't mean Jesus isn't a a very, very good Lord and and, and a good Savior. And uh, I'm just so thankful that he loves me which brings us to Simon Peter. Most of us say we love Simon Peter because he's relatable and he is because that's how Simon Peter is. He is definitely a three steps forward, two steps back kind of guy. That's the way he makes progress uh, also. He's a guy that some days he gets it right and then he'll turn right around and get it wrong. You know, sometimes on the same day. Remember, this is Simon Peter. This is the guy who walked on water And also nearly drowned in the same story. Like, that's the same story. And that sounds like me. I mean, that just sounds like me. I I would do that. I would walk on water and then also drown. I mean, I could totally do that. I can get it right, and I can get it wrong, and I can do that in the same day. Uh, absolutely. And and you just wonder, why does Jesus waste time with people like us? People like you and me and Simon Peter. Do you know why he wastes time on people like you and me and Simon Peter? Because it's the only kind of people there are. We're it. This is people. This is how we are. And he knows how we are. And he is pleased to work in our lives and pleased to call us to follow him. Which brings us to Matthew chapter 16. I'll just give you an example. One story of Simon Peter where he's going to rise all the way to the top and then go all the way to the bottom in one story. And, uh, and you got to love him for it. Jesus sure does. Matthew chapter 16 verse 13. This is so good. Uh, read the word of the Lord with me. Matthew chapter 16 verse 13. Just watch Simon, y'all. Watch him. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then Jesus asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now, I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. He would be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And Jesus said to his disciples, if you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross, follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. If if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your own soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all the people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth some standing here right now will not die before they see the son of man coming in his kingdom there's a whole lot going on in that in that passage let's just say that uh, primarily because i guess simon's involved it it always gets extra with, with simon so the story begins with a question jesus asks a question of the disciples what does he ask Who do people say that I am? What do people say about me? Who do people say that the Son of Man is? The Son of Man was the title that Jesus most frequently uses to refer to himself in his ministry. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who who am I? Who do people say that I am? Now, what Jesus is asking is a simple question. And it's simple to answer because honestly, to talk about what other people have said, that's easy. Just to say what you've heard other people say, anybody can do that. And that's why all the disciples jump in. It's not hard to say what other people say. This kid comes into his father's office and says, Daddy, you believe in the Bermuda Triangle? Father said, well, son, if you are referring to the geographical points in the ocean that are referred to as the Bermuda Triangle, yes, I I believe in that location. I know that it's on the map. But if you're asking me if I believe in all the UFO stuff with the ships and the airplanes disappearing, I don't believe any of that. I don't don't believe any of that. kid said, well, I believe it all. Father said, you do. He said, well, what makes you so sure? And the kid says, I saw it on Scooby-Doo. <laughs> now, do you understand? It is actually easy to talk about what you saw on Scooby-Doo. And it is easy to talk about what other people say. And that's why the first question that Jesus asks is a simple question. Who do people say that I am? And, and so they begin to answer. All the disciples are chiming in because that's easy. And some of the answers are Dumb. Let's just say it. Whoever thinks that Jesus could be John the Baptist, well, they're dumb. Because John the Baptist and Jesus have actually been seen like in the same place, in the same moment, like they've been in a room together, so they, you know, they can't be the same person. That's just dumb. But you know, that's the easy thing about saying what other people say, because if it's dumb, you can just say, well, I wasn't saying it, I just said it. I, you know, it's not me saying it. It's just like the other people said it, and then I said it, but I wasn't saying it. You know, see, that's the beauty of just saying what other people say. Because if it's dumb, you don't have to own it. You didn't say it. You know, you just said it. And so they say, well, and other people say that you could be Elijah. That's a pretty good one, actually. Uh, in the book of Malachi, right at the end of the Old Testament, it predicts that the prophet Elijah will come before the Messiah. So some people thought maybe Jesus is Elijah come to, you know, prepare the way for the, for the real Messiah, that, that sort of thing. So that one's, mm, some people would say that maybe. Jeremiah, I don't know. Any of the other prophets, I, I, I don't know. The answers are just random, you know, but it doesn't matter because it's what other people are saying. That's easy to talk about what other people say. That's why Jesus follows up with a second question. And the second question is slightly different, but oh, that difference makes all the difference. And what's the difference? What's the second question? But who do you say? Who do you say that I am? Remember last week I said that commitment has a way of singling you out? And so at this point, Jesus wants to single them out. When he says, who do you say, the assumption is their perspective, their answer is going to be different from what everybody else says. When he says, what do other people say? That's what they say. But what do you say? He's talking to the ones who've walked with him, who've heard him teach, who've seen more of him than anybody else. Their answer should be different. They should know something different. You with me? And so he says, but who do you say? That commitment, you see, he's, he's trying to plumb the depths of their heart for something deeper, a commitment. Singling them out. Well, what do you say? See, this is Simon's moment. Y- y- y'all know Simon. He ain't afraid to talk. And if there's a silence, you know, like if nobody else is going to say something, he will jump out and say something. And often it turns out to be dumb. But in this moment, y'all, this is his big moment. In the Bible, this is Simon's big moment right here. This is awesome. Simon says, well, nobody else is talking, so Simon says, well, you are the Christ, you Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And this answer thrills Jesus. I mean, you can't miss it. Jesus says, blessed, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Nobody else could have told you this. This isn't something that a human being could tell you. This could only come from God the Father. It's been revealed to you. But is it though? I mean, is it? I mean, like y'all been reading the Bible with me, right? And in the Gospel of John chapter one, that's the first time that Simon meets Jesus. You remember? talked about it last week Simon meets Jesus and the very first time Simon meets Jesus somebody introduces him who brings Simon Peter to Jesus his brother Andrew right his brother Andrew and when Andrew introduces Simon to Jesus he says Jesus I'd like you to meet Simon Simon I'd like you to meet Jesus the one that we think is the messiah what? Andrew said that from the beginning like first thing he said was Simon I, I we think we found the messiah So when Jesus says, uh, you know, no human could have told you this, didn't he though? Simon says, (laughs) every time I do that, I think, you know, raise your hand. Simon says, you know, stand on one foot. Simon says, Simon Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, Andrew did say, we think we found the Christ. And lots of people wonder if Jesus is the Christ. That's the question that sort of hangs over Jesus through his entire ministry. Is this the Christ? Is he the one? But lots of people ask the question. Lots of people get the question right. Then they forget it later. I mean, John the baptizer did that. He stepped out and said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, right? And then in in a few more months, he scratched his head in jail and he sends word to Jesus asking, are you really the one? Were, Were you the one? Or was there another one? I mean, even John got it and then forgot it. So there is a way to answer the question, but not yet have the question settled. So when Simon says this, there's something beyond just the words, just the sort of having the identity in in place of who Jesus is. There's something deeper here. But don't miss the part that he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, nobody said that. Andrew didn't say that. That's different. That's something extra right there. And I think it's that extra part right there that Jesus says, no human has told you this. Understand? Understand? Because remember, Jesus calls himself what? The Son of Man. And then in this moment, in this moment, Simon Peter realizes that the Son of Man is the Son of God, and nobody told him that. And so Jesus says, you did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, you are Peter. You are Simon Peter. You are Petrus. You are rock. Uh, And upon this rock, what? What is going on here now? Okay, now pay attention in this passage. As soon as Simon makes this confession, as soon as Simon says what he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, something changes, something breaks loose here. And two things in this passage will happen after what Simon has said. Now the first of these is that Jesus will begin to talk about the church. He hasn't done that at all yet, but now he can because of what Simon has said. Jesus will start talking about the church, but what you can't miss is that, honestly, Jesus starts talking about Simon. Now, here's the principle, and I want you, please, to understand this. I want you to understand this. Answer the question about who Jesus is, and he'll answer the question about who you are. That's what he does in this passage. Simon says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Simon, son of John, No human could have told you this. Only God the Father could have shown you this. And I say, you are Petros, Peter, you rock. And upon this rock, I mean, all of a sudden, Jesus starts talking about who Simon is. Do you see that? The question was, who is Jesus? Who do people say I am? And as soon as Simon answers that question, now Jesus starts telling Simon who he is. And this is how it works. And this is how it works in your life too. I say this because, honestly, I am so broken about our culture. I'm so broken, especially for young people in our culture. Our nation is populated with people who do not know who they are. And they don't have any idea how to answer that question. And they desperately want to know. I guess everybody wants to answer that question. You know, every teenager at some point wants to go out and find herself, you know, find himself. And I don't know what you did to do that. You know, your husband went through a midlife crisis and he grew a beard and bought a Corvette to find himself. I mean, because people don't know where to go. I mean, this question of who am I? Like, who's going to tell me that? See, unfortunately, a whole lot of people start looking for somebody to tell them. So you got a kid who doesn't know what it means to be a man and so he wants somebody to tell him that he's a man or what it means to be a man, but he doesn't know where to find anybody so he just just starts going from girl to girl to girl to girl to to try to find some girl that makes him feel like a man. And I'm telling you, it doesn't work that way. None of this works that way. If you want to find out who you are, if you want to know how you've been designed, then you don't start by asking who am I, how was I designed? You start by asking, who is Jesus? And who is Jesus to me? Understand, you find your identity in Christ and you do that first. See, I bring this up because honestly, this is the most pressing question in our culture right now. People really don't understand who they are and how they've been designed. And so they start trying to find their identity, to to find a label, to find a pronoun, to find something that names them. And there is no answer. That there, There's nothing like that out there waiting for you. And you're not going to answer this question for yourself either. I mean, you're just not. I mean, think of all the people right now who, who identify themselves completely by their sexuality or their sexual orientation. I mean, do you understand what a fruitless kind of quest that is to try to define yourself by your sexuality? I mean, my goodness, what could that possibly tell you? And how would you want to define yourself in such a shallow way? It doesn't make any sense. Or people who want to define themselves or redefine themselves in in terms of their gender. Now honestly, my heart breaks for people who really struggle in in that kind of way, but I'm telling you, it doesn't help them. It doesn't help them just to ask them to choose a pronoun and that's what we'll call you and that'll be your identity. I, I mean, my goodness. Do you think you've helped anybody if you make them think that their identity is in a pronoun? None of this works that way. If you want to know who you are, you don't ask yourself who you are or how you feel. You don't try to find somebody else to tell you who you are. You can't find your identity in your job. I mean, lots of men have tried to find their identity in their jobs, right? And they worked 20 years, 30 years, 40 years for the same firm, for the same company. And they've always felt like they knew who they were because they were the boss, the manager, the driver, you know, the doctor, the lawyer, the plumber, whatever. And then retirement comes, right? Because you can't do this job forever. One of these days, you're gonna have to walk out of that office for good. And then what happens? You go home, retired. With your wife. And then what happens? What happens is we see you and your wife on dateline because she kills you. (laughs) Because it turns out a man who spent his whole life thinking that he was his job, when you take away his job, he ain't nobody. And I'm telling you, a 65-year-old man who doesn't know who he is is kind of an annoying creature. That's why she kills him. I'm I'm not making jokes, y'all. People look for their identity to try to find who they are in their relationships, you know. And so you just are all about your kids, your family, your kids. And then one of these days, you know, your teenager looks at you and says she hates you. And then what are you going to do? If your whole life, you know, was sort of built upon the fact that your kids were, were your angels, what do you do? You see, this is the thing. If you really want to know who you are, you don't look at your children. You don't look at your job. You don't look at your sexuality, your gender. You don't look at anything else. You just look to Jesus. Answer this question first: Who Jesus is, and he'll tell you who you are. So, he says, who, "Who do you say I am?" And Simon says, "You're the Christ. You're the Son of the Living God." And Jesus says, "Simon, you're blessed." You're blessed. This is a blessing from God because nobody could tell you this. Only my Father in heaven could show this to you. And so I say, you are Peter. Petros. It's the Greek word. Petros. It means rock. Yeah, it does. Because that's what I said. And and thank you all for listening. I said that last week. But let me tell you. I'm going to tell you. The word Petros, or if you're in Woodburn, it's Petros. Because there's Petros Road out there. Petros. Petros the word petros in Greek means rock, but it really means pebble. Like it means a small rock, like something that's broken off of, a, of something larger. See, when, I, when we talked about Jesus said, oh, you're Simon, but, but, but you're gonna be called rock. You know, you were thinking like, you know, like rock, like bedrock, like big rock. But no, what Jesus said was you're, you're pebble, That's what he said. You're little rock. So watch this. Watch this. Verse 18. Now I say to you that you are petros. That's the Greek word. Petros, which means little rock, pebble. And upon this, petra. Jesus uses two different words here. It's two different words. The first time the word is petros, which means little rock, pebble. The second time he says, and upon this, petra. And that word means Big rock, like bedrock, like something you could build a house on, something you could build something on, right? You could build a kingdom on this. So Jesus changes the words. Why does he do that? Remember, in one way, he's telling Peter who he is. Now, he's already given him this this nickname. First time he met him, he said, you're Simon, but you're gonna be Rock. You're gonna be Petros, right? But here... A year, maybe two years later, Jesus looks at Simon and says, you're, 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 you're Petros, but upon this Petra, I'm gonna build my church. It's almost like he 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 called him that from the beginning, but now after walking with Jesus this far, Peter's ready to find out what it means to be called rock, to, to be called Petros, to be called Petra. Now, Honestly, if I were if I were Simon, I would love this moment like right here. Like I couldn't get enough of this. Like when Jesus is saying, Man, nobody could have told you this. That that, that is not, I mean, that is not like human intelligence. That is supernatural intelligence. I will be thinking, I hope everybody is hearing. I hope everybody's listening right now. No, what I would do actually is like I would say, what Jesus right there. Because I want to pull out my phone. Cause I want Jesus to, I want to video that like Jesus saying I'm all that because I'm going to put that on my, on my Instagram like immediately no, I'm going to play it for my wife because my wife would never believe Jesus said that about me so I'm going to play I mean I want everybody to know that Jesus just said I am Petra I'm, I'm, yeah and, and the man I know stuff that nobody would know like, like only God in heaven could, could make something like that come out of my mouth like I want I mean I just would be soaking this up this is a great moment this is an amazing moment But what does it mean? Now, if you come from a Roman Catholic background, this is a very important passage in Roman Catholic theology for obvious reasons, because obviously the Roman Catholic Church, they see Peter, St. Peter, as the first pope, right? And and that's that's been their tradition and their teaching for, for centuries, and a lot of that comes from this passage here. Now, obviously, we're Protestant, I'm Baptist, so that's not gonna be the way that I'm going to read this passage, but I'm still going to read this passage. And 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 for a long time, like, Protestants won't read this passage because they're afraid they sound Catholic. You know, or afraid somebody would think that they're going to, like, you know, praise Peter all, all of a sudden. Uh, no, let's just let the Bible be the Bible, y'all. I, I mean, what Jesus says here is something very important, not only in, in Simon's life, but for the church from, from from now on. So what exactly is he saying? And he is saying something really fantastic about Simon. Don't miss that either. We don't have to be ashamed to say that. So, so what's being said? Like, is this really just a lift up Simon Peter moment? Is this really Jesus saying, you know, man, I'm, I'm going to build a whole church on you, Peter. Is that what Jesus is saying? Because I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I, I don't think that primarily but because of, of what I see in the passage here and because of what I know but by reading the Bible itself. Now, obviously, Simon is the first one to say what he says. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. The first one to have that kind of revelation. The first one to make that kind of confession of faith in Jesus. So, what I want you to understand is that the church begins being built on the faith of the first person who confesses who Jesus is, and that person is Simon Peter. It's built on the faith of the very first person who confesses who Jesus is, and that person is Simon Peter. It just is. And it's marvelous that it is. But he's not going to be the last one. He's not the last person to do what he does. And so understand, Simon Peter later, he'll write two letters. They'll both be in the Bible, 1st and 2nd Peter. These are books of the Bible that Simon Peter wrote. In 1st Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, this is what Simon Peter says. And he, this is how he understands you and me and himself. Notice, he says, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. So, the church is built upon whom? Christ. Christ is the living cornerstone. But then notice what Peter says. And you, you being you, you are living, say it, stones. You're living stones. So, you are living stones. Who's saying this? Peter, whose name means stone, rock, right. You understand? So Simon understands that what Jesus does is, is that he takes everybody who confesses that faith and he puts us together like living stones and he builds his kingdom. With the faith of those who confess, who know who Jesus is, you're living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. These are the words of Simon Peter. So this is what Peter understands, and this is what Simon Peter says about you and me. We're all living stones built together to be God's temple, God's kingdom. Also, just so you know, in just about a chapter, just a few verses later, this very same thing about, you know, what you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, what you forbid on earth, Jesus is going to say that to all the disciples. So, Simon Peter is amazing, and he's first... But there'll be many, many others just like him, and that's the point. We, we all become these living stones upon which the church is built. Does that make sense? You understand that? Isn't that marvelous? So, man, that's amazing. I mean, what Jesus just said about Simon is awesome. Now, I said that as soon as Simon says this, when he makes this confession, two things happen. The first thing is Jesus talks about the church and tells Simon who he is. The second thing, Jesus starts talking about the cross. From this point on, Jesus starts talking about the cross. Notice what it says, verse 21. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. He would be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Jesus' teaching changes right Right in this moment. Once Peter makes his great declaration, Jesus says what he says about the church, and Peter, Jesus starts talking about the cross. So verse 22. So Peter takes Jesus aside and wants to reprimand him. Okay, y'all know this is going to go downhill fast, right? Because now Simon, like, he just was told something amazing. I mean, you, dude, I mean, Jesus said, you know, you, you, what you just said, that's not, that's not human wisdom right there. That's from God. You are now speaking words that that would come from God. That's what Jesus just said. And he called him Petrus. And then he promoted him to petra you know i mean it's amazing i'm gonna build my church on you give you the keys to the kingdom i mean that's awesome and the powers of hell will not be able to overcome you i mean all of that is amazing see that's the thing when jesus is giving you little nicknames it is just delicious when he's calling you you know petros and petra That's great. I mean, when Jesus is is calling you little names like Rock, Little Rock, and Big Rock, those are good. But you know, something just turns when Jesus calls you Satan. Do you understand? This went downhill really fast. I mean, downhill really, I mean, he was just, you know, Jesus, could you say this in the video so I can put this on my Instagram, and now... Jesus says, you get behind me, Satan. You get behind me, Satan. In the space of about 15 minutes. Like Jesus just said, the the gates of hell will come up against you, but, but will not prevail against you. And then 10 minutes later, it's like, get behind me, Satan. Like, like it was almost like in the, in, on one hand, Simon was on the side of the Lord, doing the lord 's work, fighting the devil, and then like ten minutes later it 's Simon who switched sides, like all of a sudden he 's speaking, and the devil 's words come out like i like, like 'd love to know how that works, except that I think I know how that works because i think I think that happens in my life it, just so quickly it, it just sort of flops over and, and all of a sudden. I'm not that rock. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm not even on the Lord's side anymore. All of a sudden, it's, it's, it's all turned upside down. How does that happen? What happens when that happens? The, 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 the key is in the words that Jesus uses, and I don't want you to miss them. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Now, the, the important clue right there, get behind me, Satan. Now, when Jesus called the disciples to come with him, what were his words? I want you to come, follow me, follow me, right? And following is always done from what position? Behind. It is impossible to follow a person that you have now gotten in front of. And so when Simon in this moment, he hears Jesus talking about suffering and, and, and Jesus is saying all those Pharisees that hate me, they're going to win. They're going to kill me. Eventually, they're going to kill me, and I won't be in the grave three days. And Simon's like, I'm going to have to have a talk with Jesus. Now, you know how it is. Simon's a good guy, and you don't want to embarrass Jesus in public. Uh, it's one of my principles. I, I always like to praise in public and then criticize in private. So Simon takes Jesus aside to criticize him because you don't want to embarrass him in front of the other disciples, right? And so Jesus pulls him over. I mean, Simon pulls Jesus over and says, Jesus, dude, I think all this is getting to you. You know, because what you just said about suffering and dying, that's not going to happen to you. Those Pharisees are dummies. They're not going to get you. They're not going to win. Pharisees aren't going on. Beside, you got me. You got us. Judas has got your back. It's, none of this is going to happen to you, Jesus. This can't happen. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Nothing's going to happen to you. I'm just afraid that that all this pressure is getting to you. And Jesus says, you get behind me. You understand what just happened? Simon thinks that he's going to give Jesus advice. He's thinking that Jesus would, you know, have a, a clearer view of the future if only Jesus had some of Simon's wisdom. Because remember, Jesus just said, Oh, Simon, what you just said, that came straight from God. Man, no, no human being could say that. And then what's he say right here? Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You are seeing things from a completely human point of view. Like that fast, he went from saying something no human could possibly see to saying something that the dumbest person ever just said. What happens? It's in that moment when Simon thinks that, that he's going to, you know, give Jesus some advice. He's going to tell Jesus something Jesus doesn't know. Yeah. Jesus has got this gloomy picture of the cross and all that. And Simon just wants to help Jesus understand, you know, put a smile on Jesus. and that You're going to lose people if you, if you talk all gloomy. Yeah. None of that's going to happen to you. See, that's how you and I are. And the thing is, you cannot follow Jesus. You cannot follow Jesus as long as you're trying to tell Jesus where you want to go. You can't follow and at the same time think that you are the one who's charting out this path. But we do that, don't we? I mean, we do that. We often just think we can argue with Jesus. Like, Jesus wants to take our life in this direction, but we feel like, you know, that's a no, no, that is not the way to go, you know. So we just try to, like, like Jesus is like, you know, occasionally has a day where he turns around and looks at you and says, you know, listen, I'm lost, where should we go? As if Jesus is ever gonna use you for his GPS. Like, you never, there'll never be a day when you get to say to Jesus, you know, when possible, make a legal U-turn. It's never going to happen. You're never going to know something Jesus doesn't know. You're never going to see something Jesus doesn't see. You are never going to lead this thing. Jesus says, if anybody's going to follow me, they got to give up their own way. Does he not say that right there in verse 24? You give up your way. You don't even have a way anymore. Your job is just to follow. So when Jesus says to Simon, what? Get behind me, Satan. It's actually kind of a merciful correction there. He's just reminding Simon, you're not leading this thing. I love what he says. Get behind me, Satan. You are, the New Living Translation calls it a dangerous trap. The word is literally stumbling block, scandal It's just stumbling block. Every time in scripture you see that, it's, it's stumbling block. In other words, it's like a speed bump. And Jesus says to Simon, Simon, if you get in front of me, the only thing you're good for is me to trip over. You know, if you are not behind Jesus, if you try to get in front of Jesus, you are in the way. You're just in the way. You're not leading. You're just in the way. He's going to have to trip over you, kick you out of the way, but you cannot stay in the way. There's only one place for you to go, and that is back to behind. You with me? Get the behind me, Satan. And then Jesus goes on. From there, he's able to say, listen, if, if anybody wants to follow me, you got to give up your own way. Get behind me and follow me. Because if you try to hang on to your way, you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. And yet, if, if, if you give it up and follow me, you'll save it. That's the only way to have a life. What's it all worth if you get to the end of it and lose your soul? Is there anything worth as much as your soul? I mean, this is Jesus talking to his followers, trying to teach them to learn to follow. And then he goes on. He starts talking about glory. I mean, yeah, he's already said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross. Because that's the part that Simon was kind of choking on, right? When Jesus started talking about a cross and death and all this, Simon's like, whoa, no, no, that's not going to happen. And now Jesus says, not only is it going to happen to me, it's going to happen to you too. The only way to follow me is you have to pick up your own cross. It's a path and it takes all of us to the cross. But there's glory in it. And that's the amazing thing. Jesus goes on to say, the Son of Man will come with the angels in his glory, come to judge the whole world. And i tell you the truth, and this is the great part. i tell you the truth, verse 28. Some of you standing right here, he's talking to his disciples, right? He's talking to Simon. Some of you standing right here, you won't even die before you see the Son of Man in his glory, in his kingdom. Now that's awesome. But it's a lot. Like like there's a path that I must follow behind Jesus, giving up my life, picking up my cross. Involves suffering, persecution, but it involves glory. I mean, all of that too. It's complicated, but it's beautiful. It's going to be glory, and the glory is going to far outweigh the trouble. And Jesus is going to say, as a matter of fact, some of you sitting right here, some of you right here, you're going to see glory like you couldn't even imagine before you even die. It's like you're going to see heaven. Well, yeah. Now, spoiler alert, that's the story we're doing next Sunday. It's chapter 17. He's talking to Simon. Because, like the very next story, the very next story is Simon up on the mountain with Jesus and he gets to see Jesus in his glory. Like that's literally going to happen. And Jesus is saying, hey, yeah, yeah, I have no idea what's about to happen. I mean, some of you are about to see glory and you ain't even going to be dead yet. It's amazing. And he's talking to Simon. The same Simon that he just called Satan. The same Simon who is the rock, you know. It's complicated, isn't it? In one story, how you can be the rock you know, upon which the church is built and you can be Satan who needs to remember he's supposed to be behind and, and then you're promised you know, tomorrow morning glory. In one story, you have, you have this guy who can get it all right and at the same time get it all wrong Jesus still just loves him. Aren't you glad he loves us? Simon has still got a long ways to go. He's making progress, but it's kind of three steps forward, two steps back, you know. It's, It's going to take us a while to get there, but make no mistake, he will get there. He'll get there. And you will too. You will. But you got to learn to follow. Learn to follow. Pray with me. Jesus, it sounds simple enough to follow you, but we confess we are not good followers. We constantly want to second-guess the, the, the road that you choose. We constantly want to second-guess this whole idea of picking up a cross and following you, giving up our way, Lord. We love to have our own way, and we have hopes and dreams and ideas, Lord, and somehow to sacrifice them for the sake of the path you lead us on, Lord. Um, following is not something that we do naturally. It's three steps forward and two steps back, Lord. It's, it's us getting it right and then also getting it wrong. It, it's, it's us, Lord, stepping in front of you sometimes, falling to the side, Lord, turning around, Lord, falling off the path altogether, Lord. It is somehow always like this with us. So we're thankful that you love us. I'm thankful that you love me. I'm thankful, Lord, that even though it's three steps forward and two steps back, I still just took one step closer to you, Lord. And I pray that you just give me that grace every day, Lord, to take one more step closer to you, knowing that it's not up to me, it's up to you. And because it's all up to you and it's all in your hands, I'll get there. You'll get us all there, Lord. You will take us there. But we got to learn to follow. Help us, Lord Jesus, to get behind you where we should be, and follow you wherever you lead us. Lord God, we don't even always know who we are, how we're designed. You are the only one who can uh, whisper into our ear and tell us our name, our true name. Lord Jesus, show yourself to us. Show us, Lord, who you are so that we can know who we are. We pray these things in the name of Jesus who leads us and defines us And loves us. Amen.